Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Traffic Masters Show. Each week, Traffic Masters explores the lifeblood of your business, generating traffic, turning visitors into leads, and conversion strategies. Mastering traffic and conversion allows you to grow a business you love and live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the show. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Traffic Masters here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the co-founder of Divisio, D-U-V-I-S-I-O, the all-new affiliate network for people in all niches. And I have my co-founder in Divisio and the Associate Dean of Directions University, Jack Humphrey, who's joining me today as well. Hello, Jack. Hello. And do happy we holidays. have our happy holidays? Do we have Jan Riley, our wonderful organizer for Traffic Masters, joining us as well? We do. Hello and there, Jan. Jan. Hello, hey, I've missed y'all. I've been listening to the shows, Jack, and I, I give people special instructions to try to stump you, but so far they haven't been very good. So. Well, no, I prep probably three or four yeah. hours before the show every day. I do push-ups exactly. and pull-ups and, you know, I do mouth exercises to make sure it's nimble, everything. Yep. So yep. I, I'm unstumpable. Oh. Exactly. So so that's really good. So we don't have a, a guest today. It was a little hard to book somebody the week before Christmas. But, and I know you all did a holiday thing last week, but I thought it would be really nice if I asked you all about some of the successes of DU this year and what it, people can look forward to for next year. How's that sound? Awesome. That sounds great. Perfect. You know, Jack and I were going to try to just stop me? anything. Okay, good, good, because, you know, I know there's been a lot of stuff happening, and, uh, you know, many people, uh, they hear our guests, but uh, they may not be aware of just how fabulous and incredible both of you are and the stuff y'all are doing in at DU and other places, so I wanted to make sure they got a taste of that. It's Poison. been an interesting year, hasn't it, Jack? It has. So does somebody want to give me a little bit of a rundown of the big things? Because there's been several. Uh, I'll give that to the person with the photographic memory. That wouldn't be me. (laughs) (laughs) How about we do a year in recap and start way back at the beginning, and I'll help guide you, Jack, through what we've accomplished this year. I like to do that at the end of every year anyway. Might as well do it right now. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan. Yep. So first, let's go back to how we started 2015. We actually started 2015 a few days before 2015 came in and rang in the new year. It started for us on December 26th. That happened to be during a time, about 10 days, that for the first time in eight years, We closed the doors to DU, Directions University, to have our very first ever winter break. And it came out of really our clients. They were suggesting that if we were really going to call ourselves Directions University, that at universities, they have breaks four times a year, a spring, summer, fall, and a winter break. And, you know, just to say we're a university doesn't make it so, if we really want to get one step closer still to being a university, we should start with a winter break. And Jack and I kind of liked that idea a lot, especially since I hadn't actually had a real vacation in the eight and a half years that DU had existed. 
So, from Christmas through New Year's, we went on winter break. And, of course, Jack and Gina aren't just going to go on vacation for 10 days, God forbid. We decided that we would use that time to really figure out what we were going to do for 2015. And anytime I need to get into a frame of mind for planning like that, I love to start it off with a period where I'm setting my intention. So we invited the deans of DU School of Personal Success and two of our dearest friends, Chief Robert and Terry Taltree, to join us on a call just to set the tone and our energy and our intention for the work we were about to do. And Jack, I'll let you tell the story about that call. That turned into probably the most incredible call I've ever been on in my entire life, and I think it was the same way for you, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the call where uh, we decided that it didn't matter with a small m if what we were doing for a living didn't matter with a capital M. How you like that? It was pretty good, huh? I just made it that was up. Really anyway. Good. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we always got together and and uh, like a lot of people do still. I, I see uh, lots of people doing it. I taught people how to do it end of the year, beginning of the year, um, start talking about um, or start planning what, what you want to do financially this year. And typically that's how it goes. You know, you get in our groups and people are like, well, here's my resolution for the business and, uh, you know, I want to be able to hit this goal and that goal and whatever. And we just about did the same thing. We got together. That's what we scheduled that meeting to do. What are we going to do? Uh Financially, how how much is DU going to grow? What are we going to do when we launch Divisio? How much are we expecting to come in there? All that—that's what we had on our on our head when we came to that meeting. And then it turned out to be completely different. And um, you know, Gina has always said that it's not really worth doing if it's not got something tied to her main goal in life, which is to touch the lives of everybody on the planet. And and that was a thing that I adopted very quickly because, I mean, that was one of the reasons we became partners when we first met. I was like, she's neat. It's not all about the business. That You can have a business that thrives, but it's also tied to something good being done in the world. And in this one, it was on a macro level. It was facilitating helping people who were going out, other businesses, reaching lots and lots of people, and leveraging it so you actually could touch the lives of everybody on the planet by helping enough uh, real go-getter, entrepreneurial, socially responsible uh, business owners. So that came out of it. That was my biggest thing out of it was, was you know, we got to do uh, this year differently. And Gina was really excited about that too. It was like, wow, this is, this is way better than what I was thinking we were going to do. And it turned out to... Uh, manifest really, really well. Throughout the year, uh, we launched Divisio, which was, um, you know, it could have been seen as an affiliate network. We could have done the same exact kind of thing and gone into it with the same exact mindset of and let's we launch an affiliate did. network. Yeah, and <laughs> let's launch an affiliate network like the world needed another affiliate network. Yeah, didn't really need that. Like a nail in the head, we need another affiliate network. And... Um, decided, you know, that's this is going to be the thing that facilitates good being done in the world between businesses for and nonprofit businesses and facilitate them working together and doing all this stuff. So, I mean, you could see a thread if you look back in the year of, of that all the way throughout the year. And I think that's really cool, having a different kind of meeting at the end of the year, beginning of 2015, and... Um, setting our intentions for what we really want to happen, and then looking back and seeing how we did, I'm kind of proud of it. And before we actually sat down and said, okay, what are our concrete goals going to be for this year? On that call, we actually, it was so cool. I follow an eagle's nest here in Fort Myers, Florida. You can see it at askggg.com forward slash eagles and the number one. And during that call, one of the eggs got this little hole in it, and it started to crack. And normally it takes about 24 hours for an eagle to fully hatch from the time that the pit, the hole in the 
Michelle shows up. Well, not on that particular day. On that particular day, it took less than an hour for this eagle to fully emerge. And the eagle popped out of its shell at the exact moment that Jack and I had the most major aha moment of the year. And here's what the aha moment was. We realized that if we just sat down and wrote out our concrete goals for what we were going to do in business, that we were going to be making a gigantic mistake because business would have ended up taking over every part of our being, all of our time, our entire lives, and our life would have gotten the leftovers. And, you know, we'd done that a lot of years in a row, and it didn't seem like it was the way that we really should be going about things. And we realized if we really want life to get the best of what we have to offer, that we need to do it in a different way. And the order became for us, First, getting crystal clear on our vision. And what we mean by that is, what is your vision for your life, first and foremost? What does that look like? And I'm not talking about goals. I'm really talking about vision. I sat down and wrote a 35-page story of what my ideal life looked like. Within that story were so many concrete details where I wanted to live, who I wanted to work with, how I wanted to spend my time, all those details became essential. And in it was the vision of the good I wanted to do in the world, how I wanted to serve, how I wanted to make a difference. And I made Jack sit down and do the exact same thing, write the story of his life. Then we came back together and said, okay, if these are the lives we really want to live, What does business need to look like in order to support these two lives? And, oh, my gosh, business took on a whole different dimension at that point, didn't it, Jack? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, need a little bit more guidance nowadays. I need to give myself more guidance for why I'm getting out of bed in the morning. I used to just pop out of bed and go, okay, let's make some money today. (laughs) And uh, and that was great for the time that that was great. And then it became not great when my life changed and I had a kid and, you know, just stuff. Family became more important, you know, staying up all night till 6 in the morning and then going to bed uh, and missing out on family was not an option anymore. And doing things differently in life, I just had different goals and everything else. And I uh, now like to have a plan. <laughs> And that helped, you know, but then I could make plans, and I tried for years. It's not a plan, it's a uh, why. You well, like yeah, to, to make a, a plan. That means something. Yeah, exactly. And I, I would make plans, but I was trying to do them the way that I used to, and I'm like, eh, screw that, don't want to do it. So I was fully in rejection mode of the way I used to do it, but until last year at this time, I didn't know what to replace it with. Like, I didn't, I didn't know, you know... <laughs> how to do something that didn't feel like a plan because I didn't want just a plan. Like, I knew how to do that, and I knew what that life looked like, and it sucked. I didn't want it anymore. And until talking to Robert and Terry, I didn't really know what to change that into to give myself the guidance I needed to have a successful year. And uh, so that was a big meeting for sure. It really well, you was. Know, and I remember... I want to say that's a, big, that's a really big distinction, Okay. Because, you know, one of the problems is that, you know, we get into business uh, for ourselves. We have some kind of goal or mission or idea. And then you get to the everyday, I think Jack said it, you wake up and you say, okay, I've either got my to-do list or let's make some money. And the why or the overall goal, it's like the reason you went into this business to begin with can so easily be the first thing that gets lost. Yeah. And in a way, you're kind of describing that even happening to y'all. It's like never taking any time off, uh, making sure that your life is actually creating, you know, they're actually creating the life you want and helping the people you want and all that kind of stuff. I think that's a really huge thing. That's why I wanted to just say it again. That's a big distinction. 
it's a difference between business that you're happy with, that you love, that feeds you over time, and the difference between having a business that you wake up one day and feel trapped in, and you don't know why. It really is. And it was as that eagle emerged that Jack recalled why he went into business in the first place. And this was really cool. Jack started out in the nonprofit world, and he realized in the nonprofit world that unless you've got money, you just can't make a big enough difference to make it matter. That's why he says matter with a capital M. So he left the nonprofit world to come into the for-profit world and start a business so that he could make enough money to go back to the nonprofit world and make a difference with money in his pocket. And it was on that call that I helped him realize that, oh my goodness, he was missing the boat big time. You don't have to leave business to go to the nonprofit world to make a difference. Business, done the way that I like to do business, can both make money and make a difference. And done strategically, the two can fuel one another. So the bigger the difference you make, the more money you make. The more money you make, the bigger the difference that you're going to make. And we really designed our entire 2015 year based on that principle. How can you build business in a way that both does good in the world and secondarily makes money and design it so that the two parts fuel the whole? And it's guided every single action we've taken all year long. Yeah, it's uh, it's really become, it got really scary for me to realize, and I think this happens at, uh, to every single person on the planet at this stage in their life that I'm in. I'm 47 now, and uh, I got really scared of the idea of planning for the future. And that might sound really weird because all the business books and everybody that says anything about success and all that junk is that you've got to put in time now so you can do something, fill in the blank, X, uh, in the future. And I I freaked out about that because when you come to your midlife, you're like, wait a minute, there's not an awful, there's less future left than there is history. And I want to live now. I want to live right now. I want to do everything I want to do right now. And and I, from this point forward, I made a pact with myself that I'm living in the moment and I'm alive, more alive right now, not yesterday and not tomorrow. I'm not sticking my head in, okay, well, in five years I will be here and whatever. I mean, if you do enough good in the world right now, you can't tell where you're going to be in five years. Good is is reciprocated and built upon and exponentially grows for you all the other things that you need in your life. I know that because I've lived it in the last year. I know that with more balance um, and with your primary focus being being on the good that you want to do in the world, and then how will your business facilitate that and the life that you want to live, work around the kind of life that you want to have, then everything gets a lot more balanced. And there's no telling where I'm going to be in five years. It's going to be great. That's all I can tell you. It's going to be great. But you know, it, it starts to get less great, that five-year vision. It might be fuzzy, but it gets less great if I get out of bed in the morning in a bad mood, if I don't focus on my own joy, if I don't make that the top priority in my life. Because happy people make really great things happen. Angry people, upset people, disappointed people, regretful people make little to nothing and, and lots of negative things happen in their lives. I've come to know this, and now that is my main mission in life. I I don't sweat the small stuff as much as I used to, um, thinking that if it's to be, it's up to me. That's only halfway true. That's not something to live by. It's not a religious statement or anything like some people take it. It's really only half the story. Sure, you've got to get out of bed still in the morning. You've got to do some work and you've got to do some stuff, but you've got to be happy doing it. And if you're not happy doing it, Nothing good can come of it. Nothing good in my life has ever come of uh, work that I've done when I wasn't happy first, ever. And it's true for everybody, truly, if you think about it. You think about your emotions during a time that even when you were really productive and you even had 
maybe a $750,000 week like I did in 2009. Um, I wasn't entirely happy then, and I don't really count that as a victory anymore as much as a lost opportunity because I probably should have made one and a half million. I probably should have done two million. But I wasn't happy enough of a person. I was just working. And so the result of my working as an unhappy person, not fulfilled, not really having a plan for the good that all the money I was generating, all the notoriety and everything was going to do in the world, I only made 750000 in gross sales that week. I, and for years I thought, man, that's great. That's my, big, that's my big accomplishment. That was a really big deal. And now I think eh, next time I do that, it's going to be way, way bigger because I'm not going to do it until I've got all of these balanced little pieces in play. Number one and chief among them, I've got to be coming from a place of joy and a place of service. And that $750,000 week will turn into a multi-million dollar week the next time. Couldn't agree more. And it's so amazing to me that without us consciously changing anything we were doing, just setting that intention at the beginning of the year, look at how what we attracted in quote-unquote business completely changed, including we are now working with so many nonprofits. seems like the majority of the clients we bring in and attract today are nonprofits, big ones. Well, not only that, but well, just really quickly, we're not just attracting nonprofits. We're just now that we're opening up the conversation really, really wide. We're meeting the same business type people that we're meeting, but since we're allowing them to also include what they're doing with nonprofits, we're finding that a lot of business people have very strong ties. They're on boards of directors of nonprofits. They're they've started nonprofits. They have a nonprofit. They uh, volunteer and give money to nonprofits. We never had that discussion before because we never had it. We never it was never in play. It was, let's just talk business, mm-hmm. and then people knew us as people would help them with their business. We would consult and coach and help them with their business. So they wouldn't even think to bring up, well, I have this nonprofit that I – because we all had everything separated. So now that we have it, you know, and everybody knows to come to us and and be completely open, we want to talk about what ties you have with nonprofits, how you want to work them into your business plan and all that. Now we're starting to discover nonprofits through our business contacts. Not just new nonprofits coming to see us. In fact, more often than not, exactly. It's that exactly, they're coming through our business contacts because we opened that channel back in uh, 2014, the end of 2014. So cool. I almost feel it's, like as it should be. Yeah. Sorry, well, Dan. I, think, I didn't you mean know, to butt that, in. That's okay because. You know, it brings me back to what you said before is, you know, when you had your big ticket day, it didn't make you happy, but that's because it wasn't really getting to that deep need that you had, which is the whole reason you went into business to begin with. And when that changes, don't you think that, when when that starts to align up, it really changes how you feel about things. And what did that do in terms of when you all get business and when you make plans, or not plans, but when you make decisions about who you want to work with and what do you want to do, how does knowing where you're you're really grounded in for both of you, how does that change who you decide to work with and what, you know, because we're always, uh, we always have a million projects we could do. And some mm-hmm. of the real challenge in life is figuring out which ones not to do. So how, when, once you get aligned like that with this is what's really important to me, how does that change? How has that changed? Because I heard Gina allude to this, who you work with and what projects you take on to fulfill. So how has that changed this year? I'll let you take that well, to start with, Jack. Well, we don't look at... You know, what the average person does it, when you're a consultant or a coach or uh, you're looking for new clients is you look for the people with the biggest budgets. And you want to make your big impact is mainly on your bottom line. Is 
how can I get the biggest client I can so I can have fewer clients and have more of a life? It's a totally admirable goal. It's how most of the world still works, but it's changing. And when it changed for us is who can do who can we work with that's going to have the biggest impact on both our bank account, but maybe necessarily a less in the upfront and the short term, and we'll play a longer play if we choose between two clients that one has a bigger impact in the world. Like what do they bring to the table for the good they want to do in the world? And I know that sounds woo-woo, and I know the pure capitalists among us, like I was, will have a really hard time digesting that. You're going to have to think about it for a while. It's not easy. Uh, you know, and it's very, But it is very easy, and the mistake would be made by blowing it off. Like it's, a, it's just too much of a hippie woo-woo kind of thing. You don't, want to, uh, you don't want to mess with that. You just want to bring in money. And then I'll bring in the money, and then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll spend it later. When when I have that thing off in the future, remember what I talked about, putting everything off, the thing is you'll never get done with the work. You're never done. You're never done. You will die. You will go to your grave, and stuff you wanted to do is still not going to be done. You're never, ever, ever, ever done. The lesson is you need to live now. You need to do your good now. You need to be happy now because there is no done. There will be some projects on my desk on the day that I die. And there will be some on yours, too. There will be some things that you wanted to do. Life is unbearably short. Um, it's just too much to think about sometimes. Sometimes that shuts a person down, <laughs> especially when you're thinking, i got to carve out the next five or ten years of super, super hard work before I get to live a little on that 11th year. And then as for as long as I can be on that. That is a horrible, horrible, horrible existence. I've been through it. I've been to the depths of that, and I'm lucky to even be here with a coherent thought in my head for you guys after that, because I really literally drove myself insane temporarily, luckily, with that thought. And then I realized the key to it all is just living now, live right now, do good now. And the way that we choose our clients, <laughs> it has a lot of difference in between, between that and what we used to do. I mean, it was, it's like night and day. So people could watch how we choose clients and go, oh, my God, you guys let that one go? And we would happily look at you and go, yep, we let about ten of those go before you even started watching us. But look what we gained. I can't see what you gained. All I can see is that you're helping people. I mean, that's nice. Um, and, you know, But it seems like a long play. You gave up the short play for the long play on that. And we're like, exactly. Because that's going to trickle us a nice day financially for a long time, and we're going to be doing good in the world. And that gets us out of bed every morning. What good can we do? Instead of, how am I going to make money today? What good can we do? And the money comes from that. We don't have to think about it. It's like secondary, which is great for me. And I love money. <laughs> I really do. But I, it just comes as it is needed for the goals that I have. And my, my biggest goal being that I want to be happy today, then the money, when it comes, how it comes, and... and um, it's it's different than when it came before when I was just working my butt off. You can you can generate large, large, large sums of money by sheer force of will. I've done that. That's what that big day was for me, and other many, many big days in the 2000s were for me. That's what they were like. I, I could work my butt off, but when you stop being able to work your butt off, you got to have more. When that doesn't fulfill you, and fulfillment becomes important, you can be a hollow shell for a long time, a money-making machine for quite a while. But you will at some point be like that Easter Bunny when they started making them hollow because chocolate became too precious to make solid chocolate Easter Bunnies. You're going to bite, somebody's going to bite your ear off, and there's not going to be anything inside. I know I'm mixing my holidays and it's Christmas, but there's no better metaphor <laughs> that I can think of than that. <laughs> Like when is this? But no, you're right. <laughs> you're right because the thing is, you know, um, uh, all metaphysics aside, we have a sort of, you know, most of us have somewhat of a finite amount of energy, you know, uh, because we want to have energy for our lives. So it's not like we can just pretend that we can continue to put massive amounts of energy into whatever it is that we want 
and not have any, uh, you know, conflict. And mm-hmm. most people have experienced some kind of burn. I mean, that's why they're they want to get out of corporate for exactly the same reason that you just described having your own business doing it to yourself. Yeah. None of the unless anybody, unless anybody think that Tony Robbins or Richard Branson or name any billionaire or multi multi millionaire only started doing their non profit stuff, their good in the world after they made their money, after they made their bones. Go back and look at people's history because the reason most people think that is that nobody started writing magazine articles about these guys in their lives until they were billionaires and millionaires. So at that point, you're reading an article for the first time, and you read about how Branson is working with this business that supports this foundation, that does this good in the world. And you start to assume subconsciously that that's when Branson started working on stuff like that, but he didn't. When you look all the way back, and there's so many ways to trace back people who are really have a good social uh, ethic, um, environmental or whatever it might be, they, you can trace it all the way back. Tony Robbins had been doing stuff for, for years, all the way in the beginning. He, started it, he was doing it before he started his business. He was doing it. He was helping people. And you'll, you'll find that there's a very, very strong tie in all the people that are really, really super successful. Uh, most of them have something like that, and it didn't happen after. So, like, I think a lot of people plan, once I get to this point, like me, I will then go back and do something good. But until then, I'm going to have to work really hard. I won't have any time for any nonprofit work or, you know, I'll, I'll be able to write some checks and stuff. That's really easy, but I'm not going to be able to get more involved in that and be able to work on their behalf and use leverage and take time to be on boards or any of that kind of stuff. I'm just going to – I'll be able to give them money, and that will suffice until I can then come back and dedicate my whole life to it. And that's what Gina was talking about earlier. It's not the dedication of your whole, you know, life to something, one thing and then another. Your business now, and then whatever you know, whatever pieces are left, uh, you give that to your life and to the good you want to do in the world later. Um, it doesn't work that way, and and it's not just me saying that. Go and really actually research your heroes of business, the people who have really really made it big, and you'll be able to trace back a long time in their history that they were doing good all along the way. It was part of their business. It was part of their lives the entire time. It wasn't just after they made their money they started getting involved with that stuff when they had time. It all fits together, and it actually is what helped get them out of bed in the morning to do the stuff that they did. You know, Virgin wouldn't be what it is today if it was just completely a business play. What Tony Robbins is doing today wouldn't be what it is today if it was just a complete business play. They were not. Neither one of those and and countless other examples like them were not just business plays. You know, and, and the idea that we work until we retire and then we do what we want, that's, of course, laughable. And most nobody on this call, I'm sure, thinks that that's the way uh, life is now. But we did, we're just one generation or two from that. So it's, it's ingrained in us in a little way. It's a little bit in our DNA to think like that. There's always time later to do this stuff. It's not later, it's now. Now is the only time that it ever existed. Now. The other stuff is just an idea. History and future are just ideas. They're just thoughts. <laughs> now is the only time that ever existed, so now you've got to be happy. So what makes you happy? If you guys can plan your next year with these kinds of ideas in mind, holy crap, you can have a year like me and Gina did, and years to come that me and Gina have ahead of us. We still plan for the future. We still think about the future, uh, but we really live today. And, and it's really important to us to have uh, our work translate into dollars and good and fulfillment. It's a tall order. It's easy just to make money. Just making money is dead easy, but when you start putting in those other two factors, it actually sounds harder, but it's even easier than it is to just make money. Because if you're fulfilled, you're not working anymore. What you used to call work is pleasure. And... And it's a delight to do it. So while it might sound harder because we're adding a couple more components, it's actually easier, and it actually runs under its own power. You've created a machine that runs under its own power rather than you having to be the driving force and energy behind every single thing that ever gets done or it won't get done. 
that's what just making money is like. So talk about that transition between when the activities, like give me an example of activities that you would do that would just be about making money that then move into the running on itself. You know, that give, give me a like how how that looks and feels different to you. Like something that you used to would have done that would have just had to be all about you generating all that energy and how that shifts. Well, uh, for my part, you want me to do that one, Gina? That would be awesome. For my part in that, I would uh, compare it to the way that I did it, which was me and a couple other partners um, working feverishly toward one goal and one goal only, which was the next launch. And it was a launch or perish lifestyle. And there was no time for anything else. It was just let's get really down into what the marketing is, what, what funnels we need to create, what kind of copy we need to have, identifying a need in the market, first of all, before all of that, and the demographic we were going to go after, the language we needed to talk to. I mean, it was all just super technical, make money stuff. Like 99% of the stuff that you see on social and uh, on your email lists and everything else, all those guys are concerned with at that moment as far as we can tell, doesn't mean that that's all that there is, but as far as we can tell, the money motivation is the only thing. The marketing part of it is the only thing. And, um, and you'll notice that it's a generational thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's an age thing. Um, and people in their 20s and 30s have lots, lots more to burn. They don't have established families yet. They, don't, you know, they have lots of endless energy. They can drink those funny drinks that make my eyes roll back in my head and I have to go to the hospital. And they can drink 20 of them a day and keep burning the midnight oil and all of that. If you want to do good in the world, you have to, um, you know, and you want that to be the fuel that, that you burn instead of rock star energy drinks or something like that. I burn, I burn the good that I do in the world. <laughs> That's my fuel. And in order to do that, if you really want to do something good, you've got to work with other people. So you're expanding now from your little group or just yourself or the money-making machine to other people. You need other people to do good stuff in the world. You need the people to do something for, and you need an organization, and you need as many people as you can get who are really fired up about the goals of that organization to further uh, the good that that group does for the people, for the market that it serves. And so you necessarily are changing your whole, the feel of what you do by being with more people, networking, and leveraging a lot more. Uh, because our marketing teaches us if we can leverage something, we can have a much, much, much bigger impact. And when you're focused on doing something, you know, a, a passion play, a, um, a, a cause, whatever you want to call it, you immediately get drawn into if you're sitting on the board. They're like, how can we rate, what would we do? They have those yearly meetings too, and their meetings are like, what uh, – what can we do to make the biggest impact? How can we make our dollar go farther? And how can we raise more dollars uh, in the process to do more good? What would it be like if money wasn't an object? What would we do in the world? What would our organization be able to do if our mission uh, was accomplished and we got to close the doors? And, we, and you know, every nonprofit's goal should be to not exist again because we're not needed anymore because we've accomplished our goal and there's no more need for us anymore. And so if they have those exercises... The last thing is you know, we're going to need money. We're going to need awareness. Not only that, we need people to be active. So it's not just everybody has to whip out their checkbooks. They have to also be active. We need volunteers. We need leaders. Some, some organizations need people on the ground geographically spread throughout the, the area that they serve. There's a lot more resources other than money that need to be brought together, and therefore there's nothing better than leverage to bring to that situation. Might you know the only leverage that you're going to have in a business where all you're doing is making money is you would leverage joint ventures and those guys would mail for you, and you would get more sales because you're bringing more people in other than just your list and just your social following to have a bigger launch and to make more sales. In the nonprofit, it you know you're you're doing quite the same thing, but every time you do something in the nonprofit in the good world, you're literally spreading smiles around the world. You're literally spreading happiness and smiles, and people are being benefited in some way. Uh, and you're not literally doing that just by selling your product. 
people might be happy for a second, but that's just consumerism and it's fleeting and you're going to want the next pair of shoes the minute you walk out the door with your new shoes that you were so excited about five minutes ago. That's consumerism. That's not spreading joy and smiles, nor is it when the McDonald's commercial comes on and a little kid eats a french fry and he's happy for that second. This is people getting water. This is people getting food and, and feeling like there's hope. You know, when you buy a, a pair of shoes, you don't need that pair of shoes to do the work of providing hope for the rest of my life. That's what a, a good nonprofit does. That's a way, way bigger ticket. And so if you use your same leverage and marketing know-how, your same leverage tactics in, in something like that, uh, you're getting way, way more benefit than just any money that would come in as a result of it. You're giving people hope. You're doing something good in the world. That's a longer-lasting thing. That's not a sugar high. It's not empty calories. It's real. And that's kind of the fuel that drives our business now. Can you imagine the difference between that and regular, unleaded? That's, you know, everybody's living in an unleaded life right now. It's just bleh, empty calories, bleh. You put this kind of high-octane fuel into it, passion, desire, uh, doing good in the world, and, the, and all of that that comes back to you for that, now you're talking about premium, that really nice gasoline to run your engine. It's very clean. It doesn't clog your arteries. It doesn't clog your stuff up, and you're happy. Now you're a happy person with a really successful business instead of somebody with a successful business that at any moment could just crumble. It's a big difference. It's a really big difference. Yeah, it really, really is. And it hasn't changed necessarily what we do. It changes how we do it more than anything. So with Divisio, for example, when we first opened our doors, our tagline was the affiliate network for people in all niches. Well, we're still working on the new wording of it, but it's become the affiliate network for doing good or the affiliate network for people who do good or something that I don't have the perfect language for yet. Instead of just going out and talking about how Divisio can help you with instant split pay, our focus has become talking about the InstaJV funnel system and how it can both help you to attract joint venture partners and different kinds of joint ventures, because it literally facilitates joint ventures of all different types. But it also allows us to talk about how you can build funnels that integrate nonprofits as well as other people into your funnel. It's a very different focus than just, yeah, Divisio makes it easy to set up your funnel. Well, and it, the thing that I find so intriguing and so amazing is that it also works. See, it, to me, this is the, the classic online-offline gap. People think of nonprofits as an offline business or an other entity, you know. And Divisio really lets all kinds of businesses with all kinds of products, physical products, nonprofits, offline businesses, consultants, people with all kinds of business offerings uh, basically work and work together. And that's really extraordinary because it really opens up the possibility for so much more um, not just income generation, but also collaboration. It really does. I mean, well, the, think about... The, I was just going to say the nonprofits are the first problem in this scenario. They continue to think of themselves in a certain way that's not necessarily um, what we're talking about here. So while it might sound like nonprofits are just sitting in the wings waiting to go and a, a company is going to come and help uh, integrate them with their product line and a good percentage of the money that, that they do on a promotion is going to come to them and all that. Actually, nonprofits aren't ready for that any more than businesses have been. It's really just starting to catch on right now. And I love being at the crest of a wave of anything, and that's exactly where we are right now in history. You can go from the very biggest companies on the planet, they're talking about stuff like this. 
and you can go all the way down to the moms and pops, and they haven't quite caught up with this, and the nonprofits haven't quite caught up with this. And that's what really I feel like is the biggest mission of Divisio, is to help people understand who are in nonprofits that you are allowed to make money. You're not. You, you don't have to just get donations um, in the traditional sense, and you don't have to do them in the traditional way. If you go to lots and lots of nonprofits that are not funded as well as great big national or multinational nonprofits, most of their sites, you guys, I mean, you might think your site isn't as pretty as you'd like it to be. You might think that you'd like some better functionality and navigation and stuff like that. And, and, and someday when you can afford it, you're going to hire somebody that can really knock it out of the park for you on your site. But take heed. Take heart. Go to a regular nonprofit site, and you'll see the difference really, really quickly. You guys all have more badass sites than most nonprofits because <laughs> they, they, they need so much help. So when we all went and learned about marketing, we learned about business, we learned about leverage, and we learned about all these things about design, about how to get things done cost-effectively to get a really big result with very, very little money, we all started out you know, by our own bootstraps, we pulled ourselves up. And, you know, if we wanted something nice, we could never go out and pay retail for it, but we still wanted it and we managed to get it. Nonprofits don't even know where to begin with that, mainly because they're not out there just trying to make money. Nonprofits need money to do the work that they do. That's all they care about money, and it ends right there. They, you know, I was in nonprofits. I, didn't, I hated writing grant proposals. I hated having to take my time to go and ask for money, to go to um, big shindigs with rich people and everything, and you know, wear uncomfortable clothes that I never, ever wore on a regular basis to fit in with them and ask them for money. I wanted to go do my thing. I wanted to do the good in the world. That's why I was in a nonprofit, and that's why people are in nonprofits. They don't want to think about the money. So all of that time and attention that we spent building our businesses, thinking precisely about how to make money, how to do leverage, how to do all this stuff, the typical nonprofit leaders, board members, kind of, because they're usually from the business community if you have a good board, um, are the only ones who know how to, how to do that. But the board members come to board meetings and go, I'm going to do my role in the nonprofit. And they very rarely think about all the things that could come to bear for that nonprofit. It's kind of strange because that's why they say when you're filling up your board, fill it up with really successful business people because they'll help you in so many ways. And the, the degree that people talk about that mainly is they'll help you with connections to other rich people. Totally missing the boat there. Completely missing the boat. <laughs> what they need to be helping you with as a nonprofit is their business acumen. And a nonprofit can be run much, much, much more like a business than they do. The government regulations scare everybody away, and nonprofit executives are typically not from business backgrounds. So they're like, well, we can't really do anything but hold our hand out like the Salvation Army guy with a bell. That's all they, can, that's all they see themselves as being able to do to generate the money they need for their programs. And, of course, that's completely not true. <laughs> so there's a huge re-education all over the world as to how money can be brought together with nonprofits to do the good that they're there to do and how businesses mix in with that and how it's a lot more like a business than they typically think and that they don't have to be scared about it. In fact, you know, an executive director of a nonprofit right now that I could go and pick up doesn't need to know anything more about business other than to follow these instructions, I'll keep you on the thing that you really are there to do and you want to do as much as possible, but here's how we'll do this and here's how we will bring in a lot more money. Just watch and, and, and then put some resources toward this. But you don't have to go and get a business degree. You don't have to go through all the stuff I've gone through. That's what an advisor or coach kind of situation is like. And now if you're a business and you have everybody listening has a nonprofit that they love more than others, it's their favorite, you could be much more instrumental in that. And that's the whole goal of Divisio is to bring those two concepts together, those two different worlds where we used to just, on the business side, on the people with money side, we would give them money. And then they would right. go and do whatever they do. We didn't really understand it. And on their side, they were like, I don't know how you make this money, but thank you for giving it to me. And I wish we had more because we really have a much bigger goal, but we're having to put that off for five-year plans because – we haven't raised enough money, so we're just kind of keeping the doors open and doing the best we can right now. 
And then everybody walks away from each other at that point. That's how the that's how nonprofits work right now. The rich people go their way until it's time to raise money again, and they come back asking. And the nonprofits go with whatever meager scraps they can get from that fundraiser and do the best they can in the world. And then you see these really, really tired people at conferences who run nonprofits, work in nonprofits, working themselves to the bone, going, man, we, we really did it this year. We did good in the world with 52 cents. You know, we made that 52 cents really stretch. And that's their world. You could be the biggest did. Santa Claus on the planet yeah. if you came in and changed that situation. Yeah, I, I I agree totally. And it's that because the thing I feel so strongly about is that if it's not generating money, if it's not actually, if it's not self-supporting, somebody's going to get burned out and it'll end really fast. That's what yeah. happens. Because... It, we've all been there where it's the one or two people who are doing it and doing it and doing it. You know what I think is really interesting, though, is that, and I know this is a kind of a big generalization, but what I have seen is that I think a lot of people that go into the nonprofit and the helping field feel really bad, like they don't. They feel a lot of shame and guilt about generating money. They feel bad it's, about getting paid. Yeah, they do. And so there's a huge amount of resistance to it. Mm-hmm. Like, I shouldn't really get, you know, they need to get paid for what they do. But in terms of, it's it's like a really hard thing to talk to them about. It's like, why aren't you selling these things? You know, like art supplies. You know, there's a reuse thing here. I'm like, you need to be selling these, not giving them away. Yeah. Um, and it's like so that you can pay for the place you have to store them. <laughs> it's like, right, you, right. you know, it's like you're already selling the, the it. The guilt it's factor. Yeah, it's really huge. It's like they can't break that thing in their mind that um, that philanthropy is integrated with money and capitalism. I don't know how to say it. Go ahead, Jack. It's not even even that. Philanthropy and business can be one and the same. It's literally changing the face of business so that business is no longer about selling stuff. It's not about giving stuff away. It's really about what we have taught at DU since we opened our doors in January of 2007, serving while strategically monetizing. How do you design the business first and foremost around the good it's going to do in the world? And in designing it from that point first, then where does money come into play second? It really is 180 degrees the opposite order that most people take. They look at philanthropy as separate. Philanthropy only happens after you've got money to spend. I'm suggesting that well, philanthropy the can be the reason you make money in the first place. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, a Yeah, I mean, difference. if you know your reason for making money, Tony Robbins does an incredible. He's got two mentions on the show today, but he deserves it because – He's got a, an exercise he takes people through, and he just points to someone in the audience and says, how much is your number? What's your number? And one time a, a kid got up, not very old, you know, probably very early 20s, and he's, he said, uh, $10 million. And Tony was like, why? And he said, because I want um, a boat and an island. And, a, I want, and Tony said, Ex- expand on what you want in life. I want to be, I think he probably said, let's just, Make the let's not hurt him too bad. He probably said he wanted to do some good in the world, but he you know was mainly mainly consumerist and materialist and things like that. I want to I want to be able to take my family on four vacations a year. I want to. And what Tony did was miraculous. After that, he he started going through the numbers and telling him first of all you don't want to own an island. I own an island. Tony said, I own an island, and it costs an incredible amount to maintain that island that I only get to go to like two or three times a year. The rest of the time, it has to be run like a business, 
and people come in and it's expensive. It's a if you think a yacht is a is is a money pit, you know, buy an island. He said, you don't need to own an island. I really don't need to own an island. I just need to be able to go to an island a certain number of times a year to feel good. I've learned that lesson. So now you don't need 10 million. You need this number. And the and the guy said, I need a G something uh, uh, jet so that I could fly my family around to those vacations. Tony's like, you you know what? How much it costs to own one of those things? Sixty million just to buy the dang thing, and then you need all this other stuff. So you don't need uh, ten million. You don't need eight million. You need this to be able to rent one of those things every time you need to go someplace. It's this much cheaper. And he got that guy's number down to three million dollars. That guy's number. He thought he was going to have to go out in the world and make ten million dollars, like after taxes, everything else in the bank, ten million bucks to have everything that he wanted. Tony showed him how he could have even more with less money, far less, uh, 70% less than he thought he was going to need. And a lot of people are like that. They think that they, I'm going to need to have this business going at this level so that I can be able to give the amount of money that I want to a nonprofit that I love that, or that I started. So I'm going to go work on that now. And in, in, in five or ten years, I'll come back, and if that nonprofit is even still alive, because nonprofits always need money right now. They live in the now, and they don't even have to, have to be taught to live in the now. That's the only place they can live. There's no future or past for a nonprofit. It's only right now. What's in the bank right now? How much good can we do right now? Are we sticking to our goals for the program that we laid out this year? Blah, blah, blah. They are always in the now. They can teach everybody an awful lot about that, but they're forced to be in the now. They feel forced, and they feel like it's put upon because it's like they don't have enough resources. And we don't want them to have that feeling when we're working with them if you know what we're talking about here, you could go out and change the life of people in a nonprofit and the good that that nonprofit can do. You could go today and start on that mission and blow their minds, blow the minds of the board members who have more business acumen and experience and background than you probably do because they don't even know to think this way. If only they did, and this would be the first thing you would teach them to do, guys. We don't need just your money and just your contacts with money. We need your business acumen. We need to be entrepreneurial at this organization. We need to be able to do these big things. Turn that more valuable thing than money, shine that light on this organization, and we will go places. You can change things really quick in your area or with an international or national organization that you work with uh, just with those few pieces. So I hate to do this, but as we usually do, we have run out of time, Mr. Jack. Man, Jan, thank you so much for asking the question. This has turned into a show that is so near and dear to our hearts. Right, Jack? Oh, this has been a great show. This has been a great show because I think, you know, once again, I want people to know, you know, we have great guests. But y'all are up to some amazing stuff, and I, I love sharing that with our audience. And next week's show is going to be a replay from one of our favorite guests of the year. We're going to ask our bachelor students on our call this afternoon, who do they want to hear back from? Because we've got some amazing shows that have happened in 2015 that we can choose from. So... Come back next week and um, find out who the rerun will be. It will be amazing. So, Gina, I have a let's chat because I have a guest. Oh, do you have a guest for next week? I didn't I know do. you did. Yeah, awesome guest. Well, never mind. We'll be back next week, same time, same place, with who will be our guest? Sadra uh, Koenig, America's Crisis Coach, and she will not. Oh, she's awesome. Off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is awesome. That's a great person to wrap up the year with also, Jen. Yeah, exactly. Well, we will see you back next week, everyone. Thanks so much, Jen, and happy holidays to everybody. Thank you. Thanks, Jen. Alrighty. Join us Tuesday at noon Eastern for the next episode of Traffic Masters, from traffic to conversion to business success.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.